Okay. Let me see here. I guess probably most of us here are familiar with the Prospero's, but just uh, reiterate the purpose of the Prospero's, where we're I, the idea is to bear witness in the age of material greatness to the primacy of the spiritual and to interpret the importance of spiritual dimensions and practical affairs and common concerns and to spell out what free man can do act effectively in the present world crisis. And for me, that's an interesting statement since, you know, this was written probably back in the 1950s or the 60s or something or rather. And um, it's interesting that we, uh, it almost feels like we're Still there, still got a lot of ways to go, it's all good. And in our case, we're here to give man a new identity and actually show him how to recognize his only true identity and to develop and channel this concept beyond his presently cognized equipment and resources. Kind of an ongoing thing. And we uh, are to foster and develop spiritually motivated action in social and civil life. Which I've always thought it's a pretty tall order. And um, today we're having a conversation with a longtime Prospero student, that's Hugh John Malanathy, who's going to be interviewed by Calvin. Calvin's been with the Prospero since I think, uh, I can't remember, it's the late 60s, early 70s, but uh, he was one of the first people I met back in about 1975. And Calvin was always one to introduce me to new things and to get new ideas going for me, and in that regard, kind of function as a coach, if you might want to call it, or a mentor, and you probably are aware that that's what he's doing today. He's still coaching people, uh, mentoring people, uh, helping them along the way, opening them up to new adventures in life and understanding of their spiritual selves, and um, yeah, I got it, she used to tell me that Jean was waiting, that she's in now, so anyway, um, Calvin is here continuing his conversations with Calvin's series of interviews and to interview uh, Hugh John today. And I think you'll find this a very interesting um, endeavor. So Calvin, I'll turn it over to you. There you go. Thank you and aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Well, in this uh, continuing series, you're invited to uh, find insights that awaken ideas you may not have picked up from your daily newspaper. For instance, in the Prosperos, we have a term that is called proto-mutant. Proto meaning first in time and mutant meaning a sudden variation. Now, the Prosperos uses this word to describe a form of human that was born in 1957. Uh, matter of fact, it's saying that generation and the one that followed and the ones that followed, there was some change. It was to mean that some of the attributes of man's history were being changed or let go of. For humans, this was a time when mankind's consciousness was being expanded and changed with concepts of science and the ascent of mankind into space. This, of course, was during the time of the space race. We will see another occurrence of uh, 
of a massive change that took place in the year 2013, which marked another evolutionary shift. For in that year, we have the high school graduation classes of uh, that year, those humans that belong to that graduate uh, to those graduations classes have never known life without the computer. We as the version of humans, uh, we as this version of humans like to think that we are at the end of the line when it comes to evolution. But let's rewind our short evolutionary history as a species, and we can see that we are not, <laughs> uh, that we are still a work in progress. Every time there is a child that's born, there is some change or adaptation, be it ever so slightly, that, is, is, that it is taking place. In fact, we have been tampering with our genetics ever since the migration out of Africa changing and adapting as we spread across the globe. In fact, renowned geneticist and author Spencer Wells speculates that changes in our genetic code have fueled major changes in our appearance and mental capabilities for over 200,000 years. In fact, he believes that within the last 10,000 years or so, humans have been accelerating what would have been gradual changes and are now at an unprecedented rate of evolution. Mutants are usually uh, considered as uh, single anomalies, such as a, a, a person in time like Michelangelo or Da Vinci or a Buddha or a Christ, to name a few. But since the 1960s, mutants have increased in their rate and frequency. We want to see how, with all of these changes, that what we have learned in the past is sifted through so that we do not have to repeat past mistakes. And at the same time, do not throw out the baby. And when I say the baby, that which is of value with the bathwater. But use what has been gained from the past to fuel the future. The upshot or conclusion of all this is to have an understanding of these changes so we are better prepared for the future and perhaps have a role to play in what these changes will be. Okay, so that brings me to my guest today uh, who uh, bears that moniker of a proto-mutant beginning with being a second generation Prospero student, which will definitely change your consciousness if nothing else. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, Hugh John Milanofi, Hugh John, come on aboard. I'm aboard, I'm aboard. Hello everyone, good morning. Thanks for being here. Hey, David. His Yeah. Good to see you, Dorothy, John, yeah, Domenica. So, so everyone is that we have uh, Hugh John. Now, what's interesting is that um, Hugh John started breaking uh, that mode of 
of genetic genes by uh, uh, by jumping out of the loop. You know, there's this thing that was going on in the 1950s that said that uh, that was understood in the con in the consciousness of of the American culture, and that was that you did not marry outside of uh, your particular ethnic group. But uh, Hugh John's parents did. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh John's mo mother was uh, Italian and, a and the father was Irish. So it was coming together of these two uh, lines that the genome was being changed. And as we can see, uh, has brought about some marvelous uh, mutations in the uh, brothers and sisters that we have here today. <laughs> Seven of us. Yes. <laughs> so alteration of the children's genome by combining their Irish and Italian bloodlines, which for 1950s America culture was still not something well looked upon. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course, his right. mother, we all knew as Prospero mentor and teacher Livia Milanofi from New York. Hugh John I met in California. So uh, Hugh John, let's start and tell us a little bit about your early life in New York and then you're moving to California. Yeah, so um, for me, uh, the, the whole move to California was part of everything that you've already just mentioned, but the, the, the cultural uh, advancements, my dad and mom being together, Irish and Italian and uh, you know, living in New York, but at the same time, my dad being a teacher, um, you know, would teach us new philosophies because he always had an outlook and a philosophy of his own. And because of his love of poetry, brought other dimensions into whatever he was, you know, uh, imparting to us, you know. And so one of the... Hugh John, you're muted. How did I get muted? Uh, <laughs> did, did you hear any of what I said? No, say that again. Oh, no, we heard everything up until the last sentence. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, uh, you know, my dad always trying to teach us and show us new things and was adventurous. We would go on different family trips, etc. And then one was to California, which at that time for me was an eye opener because um, I was like 17 and a half, I think 18. Mm -hmm. New York wasn't doing good. And uh, just to see a whole nother dimension. And sometimes you can't get the feeling of things and experience unless you're actually there. So book learning doesn't cut it, you know? So, you know, we've, I was introduced to a number of things that were like very different because of our household, because of other interests that my dad got us to look at and also my mom. And my mom uh, was pretty, uh, pretty beat up and questioned about the uh, Catholic religion and what it was dictating to her. And she was like struggling through it, that kind of thing. And then we had a neighbor, Elise, uh, Elise Degans, and then she became Elise Hafiz. I think that was her last name. Yes. But she um, introduced my mom to the Prosperos and it was to my mom an awakening because there was a new, uh, new philosophy, a new way of looking at yourself and your life. And 
something useful to where you could uh, use it to uh, grow personal growth and based on you know the the beingness and ontology and and your essence so you know my mom was introduced through Elise and then myself through um, having tapes in the house and uh, listening to um, whatever my mom since seemed to have on the um, on the uh, cassette recorder at the time. So, and it was normally just passing through the house, listening to it, mm-hmm. but you know, they always make sense. So even if you get a couple of seconds, you got something right. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> so, uh, but I was struggling with a lot of stuff, like on a personal level in New York where things were not fitting that kind of stuff. And I finally had an RHS class and that fit for me perfectly because I was in college at the time and I was learning stuff and I even had philosophy classes and psychology classes. And, you know, that was good, but it was very clinical and, you know, wasn't really getting to the heart of, uh, of, of uh, motivation and what the reality was. It was uh, too, too clinical for me and it didn't really make sense. But when I took RHS, it was like the whole world came together, that that was, that made like perfect sense as far as where I was and the type of education I needed at that time. And so, you know, then, you know, that led me to make a personal decision to come to California. And I, you know, after taking RHS, I was in a tape group over in Fordham University with the, with some of those guys. And then uh, me and Ben came to California. And, you know, during that time, it was uh, kind of an amazing, an amazing time. You know, when you get a chance to, to do something different for yourself and for your life on a conscious level. And it was, you know, uh, a, a good thing for me. So that led me to California and then, you know, a deep dive into the prosperous and all the teachings and all along the way, even when Ben and I were coming out and Ben and another prosperous treasure, right. Is uh, we gave classes all along the way, monitoring tape classes and, uh, you know, teaching other students throughout the country. And it was kind of a, an amazing uh, experience. So, you know, and then in California, you know, it, it, with the center and all the buzz and happening and energy that was going on then, I had fellow students where we were all breaking through to where we needed to be at that time. And the education of the Prosperos was, you know, exactly what we all needed completely involved in it you know we lived and breathed it right calvin yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, john it's interesting that, that you said it was that um that conscious break and that i think is where um where um um the evolutionary trend is going is to that kind of a conscious break in where we are, what we're thinking about and how we're going to proceed. Uh, it's interesting how there can be things that can create a, a conscious break, uh, such as the pandemic, where all of a sudden we all have to do something very, very different than what we had done before, but it does mean survival. And it's interesting, though, that uh, when you made that conscious break to move to uh, California, I remember you coming in and being so uh, bushy-tailed and bright-eyed and then <laughs> and just so excited about everything that was going on and what was going on. 
I also remember that um, at the time of you having your children uh, that um, that you would sneakily call me on the phone and say, um, uh, Calvin, what are you doing today? And I would think, oh, well, nothing. Uh, you know, what do you got in mind? <laughs> and at that point, you, you were with your uh, son, Ryan, and um, he and his friends needed to go somewhere. And I, I guess this is that... Um, attitude that you had gotten from your your father that you take the kids around you have them learn things and uh, you would call me and then I would go as a chaperone with you to museums and to uh, architecture around the city that we did uh, for the kids to let them explore and that kind of thing. Plus it was really interesting because some of the uh, events that we were involved in uh, I hadn't seen before either, so it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. remember those days. That's good. And then, yeah. you know, even even now, you know, it's like well, that's one of the habits that we we, you know, that we got from our dad. And you know, you know, mm -hmm. and Thane, you know, he, how much education did he bestow upon us, right? From all these mm -hmm. different disciplines and and uh, sources of information consolidated for our benefit, right? And personal growth and whatever. So we 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 all know what Thane was doing, but he was relentless. He would he would study, he would learn all that stuff and then bring it bring it to us as a as absolutely. As a, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all that exploration. And then, you know, hopefully hopefully we all have a sense of when something is is smart or brilliant or useful that we capture it and use it. Otherwise yes. it's a waste, right? Absolutely. And it, it was that situation of, of, of that information being brought and then we being able to use it as a group. And that is really that I think the the push towards uh, the future with we're seeing that we're moving away from group centered le leadership into mm -hmm. group dynamic situations more and more. And I think that that was one of the things that we had gotten from our, our teachers uh, saying that that would be the direction of, yeah. of tomorrow. Oh, my and gosh, yes. Yes. And also that whole business of that you need to get that information, make that synthesis, and then be able to pass it on. Right. Um, I right. remember Thane always saying that uh, that uh, he milked many cows, but the milk was his own. So it is that synth <laughs> that uh, synthesis that that we have that go on. But uh, yeah, and as we were talking about uh, your son, I also see this with uh, in your relationship with your wife and your daughter as uh, the trips that you make down here to the desert. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, okay. and that, and it's interesting how that cultivation of that that next generation, where uh, your son had one idea and, and direction that was more artistic. Versus your daughter, who seems to be more, um, uh, I want to say, um, business-like in that. Yep. I mean, yep. It's amazing. She's already online, has her own business. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. Doing is, all of that kind of thing. It, it's fabulous. It's fabulous to see. Yeah, it's, a, it's always a, you know, parental task for to understand like what, what do they have going on? Right. And expose mm -hmm. them to stuff so that it can be exposed. Right. Right. And, um, uh, you know, it reminds me of, of something that I, 
you know, think about a lot in, in relation to dreams that came from uh, young mm-hmm. with the circumambulation, which is uh, your future self is pulling you towards that self by helping you get interested in things in life. Yes. That draws you into them where you get to learn, you get to, to, to do a new discipline, to explore a new subject or an interest of anything. And as we do that, it, you know, rounds us out as a human being. And we also get a chance to fall down a little bit, learn stuff and, and pick ourselves up. And that's what I tell my daughter. I tell her because she's Aries, she's got Mars and Aries. She's got a lot of energy and all this is like, Hey, you can't do stuff right the first time. Don't expect to. Right. But Aries, you can't stop. They're just plowing ahead. They're just going and doing it. Right. So it's like, that's the education is going and getting your hands dirty and, mm-hmm. and figuring it out as you go along and knowing, Oh, I need this now. That didn't work. I need to do this or do that. Mm-hmm. So it's that same kind of philosophy. You got to emerge, not, you need to get it, do it, just go and take the step. Right. And then you learn. Right. Uh, being more traditional, uh, both you and I being Capricorn, it is that thing of sometimes we like to say, well, instead of having to fall down, let's see who who's done it before. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we might not want to do that. That's and right. That brings us back to. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're uh, working in the in the school because there were a lot of tasks that you got to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. being in the school and then those tasks uh led to other things later uh in life that has then even into some of the fields that you are involved with today um could you tell us about some of the early things that you did at the center that that kind of propelled other directions yeah so you know you know to me it w- really was such an amazing experience being, you know, working as a volunteer at the at the center, and even, uh, you know, and at that time, you remember there was lots and lots of volunteers there. But mm-hmm. then I became a staff member and was there for a number of years and and everything. But, uh, you know, Thane always said, you know, you gotta, you know, look to what's going on, change horses midstream, be prepared mm-hmm. for blah blah blah, right? Which is what where we're in right now, and nothing, nothing, everything is always. Gives, there's always an opportunity right now, right? There's always there's always the next thing, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm so thankful that uh, you know I've learned some incredible skills at as a volunteer at the school, and then yeah, doing work and putting in my elbow grease and stuff like that. But um, you know, it 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 got me interested in because uh, I learned how to run the printing press at the school. So doing volunteer activities, the typical stuff, you know, folding, mailing, going down to the post office, getting, you know, uh, uh, postage into the meter, put into the meter. Those days were all gone guys, right? Yeah. Don't do that anymore. (laughs) But then, but then also, you know, you know, we had certain, you know, uh, being that I was doing the printing, and then if you remember, we had mini mimeograph machines, you know, mm-hmm. the, the purple ink that smelled so good, right? <laughs> that if you made a mistake, it just took forever. <laughs> you had I, to rip it up and start all over again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I mean, that was one time shot. So you had to do yes. it on a typewriter. You had to press really hard. And so mm-hmm. literally for me, then that was, you know, that was a certain technology. Then I was doing the, the printing press. But that ultimately led me to to work in the technical fields with uh, Xerox. And I did 
consciously, you know, jump horses when I saw the printing industry going more towards the copiers. And it was just copiers at the time. It wasn't anything else. So mm-hmm. I learned electricity, electronics on my own, and then got a, and worked my way into a job at Xerox. Well, that opened up a whole thing for my life. But it was typical of Thane is like, you're going to have jobs that there's no title for. You're going to be in all these new technologies. And he talked about all this stuff to us before it happened, really. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky enough to be with Xerox when they were inventing all that crap. So I was working with them, supporting them and. You know, I was uh, ultimately putting in networks and Ethernet networks and stuff. And in fact, I put the first one in Los Angeles that was ever installed, Ethernet network, which is what we're all using today. We're on that same protocol with this, the Zoom call right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, that was all just, you know, the opportunity of knowing that, OK, this is where the world is going now. And I'm going to help make that happen. So mm-hmm. I jumped into those you know, those different fields of uh, interest and endeavor, right? And, you know, the manifestation of these new communication channels and everything, you know, that, that you know, comes out. And the same thing today. There's all kinds of new things that are coming up uh, every, yeah, every few minutes. So. And, and all of that has a, a, uh, <laughs> a difference in, in how we behave, how we act, uh, uh, and within our thinking, our consciousness is changing. There are certain words that we no longer use because they have been replaced by um, um, the instruments that we now have uh, and the extension that they offer us. Um, uh, I know that you, you've always been interested, and this is the thing that individuals uh, don't realize about Capricorns. They always think that we're just funny, daddy and old, but they don't realize that it is <laughs> the past into the future that is really uh, one of the drivers that we have. And it's always interesting because I think you were one of the um, first people that I knew that had gotten one of those hybrid cars, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yep, yep. And you know, the the, Maybe I'm because, because, you know, you, you could kind of see where things are going. And you're right, Calvin. You know, so my interest is always on like when, when Thane was always talking about space. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the possibilities, the potentials. And yet at the same time, the fear of nuclear destruction. Yes. That we can screw ourselves up and, and yes. wipe ourselves out, which we still can today. And you can see lots of horrible stuff going on around us and. In our generation, it was, you know, trying to, uh, you know, the peace, protest for peace and to, to, to try to get peace. And we, we achieved that maybe at some level, but we still have lots of, lots of conflict and everything. Yes. So, you know, with, with, I think now, like for, uh, like with the Thane was talking about what we do in space, we're only starting to realize that potential now, even though that was, you know, possible back in the 70s and 80s. We kind of went slow into that technology. But, you know, there's always like new uh, new opportunities and resources that the world is bringing us if we're smart enough to pick it up. And even this COVID thing, right? What is, what's the big message from it, right? We're all, everybody's so happy to be together on Zoom at, a, at, a, at I think it supersedes the, 
the other levels of communication and everything because uh, it's broader, it's worldwide, right? So everybody can, no matter where they are, connect and converse and exchange in community, et cetera, which makes everybody stronger and ideas to uh, share. And hopefully we're smart enough to pick up ideas that are, are the smart ones, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's yeah. also, yes, is that when we're talking about exploring space, you know, uh, thinking consciousness is considered space. Uh, the new frontier in what right. they're doing uh, with um, what they call flow and how they are getting us to think faster, move faster, the whole thing there. That's one space. Also that we are starting to investigate the space that's underneath the sea. There was something recently about uh, where they had gone uh, to a point in the um, in the undersea uh, uh, place and they didn't think any life was and all of a sudden they got down there and there was and there was life there so there is that that life is expressing in so many forms uh, mm -hmm. that um, we need to be aware of or that we can't imagine Speaking right right that and the uh, and the future that we're starting now to look at things that were ignored before uh and one of those things is the business of dreams i know that you run a dream group in that and um how has maybe some of the things that you've done that uh worked with where you are going because you had mentioned the young quote with with dreams right right yeah yeah the, you know the everything that we we do i think i think it goes without saying that um you know constantly we have to do our work our mm -hmm. rhs and translation to to you know so that we have our personal growth we're a better person more rounded and we're becoming an alerted to things that we uh, don't know about ourselves or ignoring about ourselves that really are a hidden gift in there somewhere, right? That getting back to our ontological self or realizing that. And so throughout the journey, so everybody's journey, right? And even in dreams, there's, there's typical general journey dreams where you're on a journey and you're going from one phase to another or one room in a house to another room. And so it's another level of consciousness, another level of understanding and dreams, you know, bring that whole other dimension to it. So anything like this, we've got, uh, you know, there's always a challenge, a personal challenge, right? A huge on challenge that's like, okay, what's in my way? And almost all the time it's, I'm in my own way, right? And, or <laughs> I've got a, you know, I've got to figure out where I'm holding myself back in this and then, it releases into a, a, you know, a more uh, uh, holistic experiences in life, or allows me to experience those things I've never experienced before, right? Yeah. Because it's a different person. So yeah. the person, the huge on that was five years ago is not the huge on now, and it's not going to be the huge on in five years that's talking to you now, because huge on is still RHSing and translating and doing some heavy it's lifting when I get the yeah. opportunity. <laughs> so the, the dreams for a Prospero is an amazing resource because in the dreams, we can think this, that, and the other, and I want to go in the, this direction, or this is what I'm consumed about right now, right? But in the dreams, it'll come up and say, you need to look at this. 
that isn't what you, John, wanted to look at, maybe, yeah. but it comes up and says, you need to look at this. Mm-hmm. And so where does that come from? It comes from, you know, your unconscious mind, your subconscious mind, your, 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 your genuine uh, intent to want to grow and to, you know, better our understanding of self, world, those around us, and that we treat ourselves better, those around us and our world, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the dreams will help give us that. And it does time and time again. And I'm always surprised that it is really, as, as we get into it, <clears throat> an infinite source of material because it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, you want another dream? It'll come up another dream. And uh, again, <laughs> you have to be wise. You, we, I have to be wise enough to understand that this is something I need to pay attention to and work on and, and use, right, to the benefit of myself and those around me, you know? Uh, one thing that I, I think that is very important with this is because it, as you say, it is more of an intuitive factor, something that where we're not just going with, well, these are the facts and this is how I have to uh, move. It is bringing up something that out of the blue that we might not have thought about. Uh, yeah. Another factor in what holds us back a lot of times are the fear. And sometimes yeah. within uh, within uh, the safety of uh, that dream, you can uh, you can face a particular fear that you have, mm-hmm. and that is important yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, then, it, in as you're saying, it, then use using those tools wisely to then have that situation or that uh, that concept of yourself. Uh, manifest within the three-dimensional realm that we have here. Yeah. But the thing is that it's always, always, always getting to that sense of authentic self, that sense of the I-thou, as they call it, that that larger sense of ourself that is so important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh and then, you know, as the, with the dream work, it's just like anything else in life, right? The, the, where you put your attention is where you get the result, right? So mm-hmm. if, you, if, if you put your attention on, you know, the dreams by, by writing them down, by understanding them, many dream group members have uh, dreams where we have symbols that refine as time goes on, which I love that, which mm-hmm. we have, a, you know, a, a dream of, like you say, it's like something in your dream that you got to confront, right? Well, if it's not, if it's not well understood, it comes up again. And if it's not when, well, I'm understood, it comes up again. But each time the symbol is a little more refined to, to, to help the clueless <laughs> understand, you know, what the, what the dream is trying to tell us. And again, if I want to grow from it, if I want to understand a new perspective, then I'll get it if I continue looking at it and listening to it and churning it over and over and over. And then and the, the dreams are used for everything. But mm-hmm. again, for a Prospero, you get that uncomfortable feeling about something, an emotion you haven't had since childhood, uh, anything like then we know what to do with it. You have the tools to go in and do an RHS and a translation to help grow that understanding and get the new awareness of what, what, what is there. And uh, on that respect, in a dream, you can have a completely new experience, totally connected from your waking life 
that gives you a feeling of something that you've never felt before. Also, mm -hmm. as you're getting ready to really accept a new dimension of something or a new self or a new understanding, you can live that you live that understanding in the dream. That where in your waking life, you've never had that feeling. I've had I had a dream once where uh, and I told the group and it, and it was funny because I dreamt I was wealthy, very wealthy, insanely wealthy. I owned big buildings and lots of housing and all this kind of stuff. But it was a complete feeling of, you know, I could build these buildings. I was building buildings and I was, you know, selling houses to people. And it was like hundreds of millions of dollars. And it was like, that was my dream and <laughs> that I had in this actual dream life. And, but an interesting thing that dream, that dream set me up for something that happened a few weeks later where I did run into a bunch of money and it was enough money that made me feel like, wow, this is really good. But it also gave me the sense of, I know what to do with this money as far mm -hmm. as putting it to work and making it, making it uh, productive. Having okay. a build. Yeah. And, so, and but the interesting thing to me was the dream had given me a perspective of a life I never knew. I never knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, that I think that you have that is so important, Hugh John, is that since that you have that um, balance that goes on between uh, uh, family, your work with the with your dream group, also with um with your prospero work and the kinds of things that you do there to balance these out these things out and to do these things such as like i said that you'll take time which is so important that i don't think a lot of people do where they will just take time for themselves to do something mm -hmm. like uh, um uh, i'll just get a call every now and then from you and saying oh we're out here at the desert and we're discovering blah 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 uh, talk about that for a little bit for me personally, it's it's like a push and a pull because I'm like, I might be even like uh, ADD or adult ADD or I know I was kid ADD because I, I hated school. I couldn't stand sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. I want to go out and play in the yard, that kind of stuff. And I'm still like that. I mean, I get distracted by the squirrel running in the yard. And I was like, oh, shit, look at that. That's cool. But, but for me, yes, because, you know, I'm still, uh, you know, we're all interested in all kinds of stuff. Right. So if I come out to see Calvin. I'm going to go out to see, uh, you know, Bombay Beach, going to go see Salton Sea. I'm very interested in geology. So I want to go see the mud ponds out there because you have geothermal activity down there. You also have all this art that's down from Burning Man that came to East Jesus. And I noticed my brother, Brian, if you see him, he's here. He's got a shirt on. Is Brian still on? I don't see him. Brian's got an East Jesus shirt on, <laughs> right? Yeah, there he is. Look, see? So, and they have all this art out there. It's very fascinating and interesting. Plus, Calvin, where you live is incredible. You have the modernism. You have all this great architecture. You have, you know, fabulous stuff in Palm Springs in that area there. So, I mean, I could spend my life just chasing all that wonderful fun shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but also find a way to, you know... Uh, to, to, to bring it into some type of productivity. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, okay, well, now how, how can this enrich other people's life? Well, yes. art really enriches other people's lives. And, you know, the, you know, seeing Calvin and just hanging out is David, you know, down there that last time 
we were down there, had a great time with you guys, you know, showing us around. But it is, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's, it's very, I don't think I do it well, balancing the work, the play, the other interests. And I always have lots of interests. So it's, I think it's part of, uh, I've got, uh, I've got uh, Mercury and Venus in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. So that makes, I know that influences my thought pattern into, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go check that out. So it kind of works that. But then, you know, I try to ground myself with, you know, grasping something that is of, of useful interest to focus on, you know? So focus. So in a way, it kind of, it, it, you, you're satisfying that, that quest for the new and yet having that focus and then also what I'm hearing is having in the back of the mind, how can I then move that forward? Right, right. Okay. And or bring that to other other friends, family, mm-hmm. students, et cetera, mm-hmm. that can really benefit from this in some way. What did, what did I discover, right? Let's say, yeah. what did I discover? And yeah. like, if you haven't been out to East Jesus yet, Calvin, you got that's a day <laughs> trip, you got to get a friend to take you out there. Check it out. <laughs> Okay, well, Q John, thank you. It's just been so fun uh, today talking with you in that. Uh, next week, I'm going to have a writer on. Uh, her name is, uh, uh, not next week, next month on the 28th. Uh, and that's going to be uh, Marnie Devlin Spencer, uh, who is a writer. She is coming out with her third book and a very interesting person. Uh, Jay, she is someone from the LGBTQ community. So if you're interested in that, you can you can hear what she has to say. But an uh, incredible uh, writer, and um, and she's writing on a new book. Her second book was on uh, um, consciousness and the what she called the iceberg principle. And now she's coming out with her third book. I'm, I'm going to I'm be very anxious to hear all that she has to say about that. So lots of uh, ex- exciting things that are going on. I want to thank everyone for being here today. Uh, well, just thank you for another great conversation, Calvin. That was great. And oh, you, Todd, okay. it's always great to hear what you have to say. Love hearing you talk. Good Thanks. stuff, son.